Welcome to Tea and Sympathy, where two American ladies talk about drinking tea and watching British television shows. I am one of your hosts, Sarah. I am another one of your hosts, Melissa. And of course, our silent host, Melissa's mom. And uh, also, we have a silent guest star. Um, <laughs> oh, a live studio audience? We have a, yeah, we have a live studio audience today. Um, and by live, I mean, she's a human sitting in the other room. <laughs> well, if you are a human sitting in a room somewhere, you can... Uh... Oh, that was great. Bravo. <laughs> Excellent segue. Podcast Hall of Fame. Here I come. Uh, Webby Award. No. Oh, yeah. Is that the award they give out for podcasts? I just sent this off the rails already. It is. (laughs) We haven't haven't done it in a while. We're a little... Just knocking the rust off. Knocking the rust off. So, uh, yeah. Twitter. Mm. The letter Mm -hmm. T and Sympathy Pod. We're on the internet at Teen Sympathy Pod. Wow, that was very Cleveland. Uh, we're on the internet at teensympathypod.com. You can email us at teensympathypod at gmail.com. We are on yeah. Facebook at facebook.com mm. slash teensympathypod. You can listen to us through Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Podbean. And if you are on any of those platforms and should like to give us a very high rating. Yeah, please. Um you should 100% patronize us. Uh, yes, please do. <laughs> so, Melissa, are you drinking tea this morning? I am drinking tea. I'm having some lions with some sugar and some milk. That's nice. Um, it's, it's a bit early to have, uh, so I'm seeing on your outline, um, but we should also mention the biscuits and chocolate that I muled back from the UK. You did. And I've been um, doing an in-depth exploration of Cadbury <laughs> Roses versus Nestle Quality Street. Yeah, uh, Roses, 100%. Yep. Quality Street is not good. I mean, the name is Quality Street, and yet... And yet it is not. It should be called Adequate Street. <laughs> she called <laughs> chocolate avenue it's chocolate shrug emoji avenue <laughs> chocolate the one that was like, curious to me was the kind of flat smushy um like butterscotch disc or yeah those i like just fine but it's not chocolate yeah um and i do remember i this is going to be slightly controversial, but maybe not controversial for anyone who, I think this will only be controversial for maybe U.S. listeners, because I think U.S. listeners like to say, like, Cadbury is the best. Cadbury is not the best, y'all. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good chocolate. Well, but there's a difference, though, between the U.S. Cadbury product and the European Cadbury. Yeah, but I don't want to like the European one either. <gasps> Not good. I have this, issue <laughs> This podcast is finished. Well, it's I, weird. I don't like they're like, it's chalky. It's chalky to me. It's very chalk, chalky. Is it chalkier than uh, 
it's it's not chunkier than like Nestle though here at Hershey's. No, I just meant like Americans will have a um, reaction because I think the the chocolate that the UK chocolate that most Americans are familiar with is Cadbury, mm. and everyone likes to talk about like Cadbury Flake, and I think. Cadbury oh, I'm not a big not like. Yeah, I'm not a flake yeah. fan. It's not good. I'm also like, not a fan of Wispa, which is just like chocolate with air bubble. It's just not good. <laughs> um, flake's not my favorite. And mm. then Twirl is just a flake covered in chocolate. I liked none of it. I like candy. I mean, I ate all of it, but I liked none of it. Anyway. Yeah. The biscuit selection. Oh, yeah. I hobnobs. God, I miss them. I forgot how much I liked them. And the custard creams. Yeah. It's like custard creams for, I like plowed through that. I should have brought two back. <laughs> Cause I finished my half of that uh, real fast. Well, I appreciate your, uh, your import activities. Happy to. I benefited from them. I haven't tried the tea yet, so I'm excited to. So, yeah. So, the tea. So, uh, I brought you back some chai, um, which is, uh, so, depending on your level of um, tea um, pretentiousness, if you are as pretentious as I am, um, you will already know that the word chai just literally means tea. In yes. The majority in like Middle East, you know, kind of Turkey and, and East. Um, so in America, when you call something a chai latte, you are calling it a, or when you say chai tea, you're just saying tea tea. <laughs> chai means tea. Um, but Turkey was delightful because it is an entire country full of people who drink inordinate amounts of tea. And when I mean inordinate amounts of tea, I mean instead of water, they're drinking tea. Mm. Mostly because you can't drink water out of the tap there. Not because it's bad for you, because it tastes terrible. Oh, gotcha. Hmm. Um, I recently, uh, they have very different tea making and serving methodologies, which I am very excited. I just bought so they brew their tea kind of in like a samovar manner, Ooh. right? In that they will have like, it's like kind of a, it's like a double tea kettle setup. But um, I'll post pictures in the Facebook group. But what they do is they essentially brew an extremely strong concentrate of the tea. So what I sent you um, doesn't really do it. If you have two teapots, Sarah, which I'm guessing you do, mm -hmm. you can probably do the same setup. So what it is, is that it's like two teapots kind of stacked on top of each other okay. and they, they make, um, a very strong kind of concentrate of the loose tea. So it's, um, you know, they make it like, you know, it's like three tablespoons and then like, it's, it's a strong concentrate. And then the bottom kettle We'll just have hot water in it. Okay. And you pour the concentrate, like the strong, you know, the super strong blend into these cute little glass tea um, cups that are shaped like tulips because um, the Turks drink their tea like 
scalding hot, rocket hot. Um, and the glasses are shaped so much that you like don't burn your little fingers because it's oh. tulip shaped and you hold it at the top. So I you pour it in. Glasses. Yeah. You pour it into your like desired strength and then you cut it with hot water. So when you make the concentrate, do you make it with less water or just? Yeah. Less water. So you don't so, leave it to sit for longer. You just make it with less water. Yeah. Less water. Um, I'll have to see. I just placed an order for my little Samovar and tea, uh, set up. So I'll let you know how it gets on, but all that to be said, I, uh, the tea is still delicious tea and very enjoyable as prepared just as loose tea. Um, I can't wait to try it. I also want to share a little bit of it with my dad because he's a a tea person, like a, a strong black tea. Ah, loose tea guy. So I will say it is it is strong, but it's a I it's not as um it lacks like the bitterness of mm. British tea, which is not necessarily a bad or a good thing. Um, just different. Well, I'm excited to try it, and I'm excited that you had uh, such a, a tea immersive experience. I drank like it was, you know. I I've now discovered I'm just gonna start basing my travel around how much does the populace of any given country drink tea. So, like, basically, I'm never going to like Costa Rica. So, like India, China, British, yeah. Island. Which is fine, because that was on my list anyways. Like, Japan is real high up there. Um, But, like, what are coffee drinking cultures? Uh, Well, it should be gross. We're, honestly, like, we're the only coffee drinking culture. I've realized that. Like, everyone's like, did you have Turkish coffee? I'm like, no. They don't drink. So, Turkish coffee is a thing. But it's not, no one drinks it during the day. You drink it at night. You drink it after a meal and like you have one. Yeah. And that's it. Italy Italy is a coffee drinking culture. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, I I, I learned that from like, I don't know, the food network. So maybe. (laughs) (laughs) From from the Lavazza store. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. From my Ely brochure that came Mm. up. Because venti means 20 in, in Italian. And yet they don't drink venti coffees over there. No, they crazy. don't. They drink tiny little coffees. I think, honestly, maybe Australia. But not even Australia. Like, Melbourne and Sydney is kind of. Like, I don't associate. And I only associate, like, flat white with Australia. I don't really. I think, the you know, the more and more I travel, I realize that uh, we are weirdos here in the U.S. when it comes mm-hmm. to coffee, and we uh drink too much of it. Yeah, it's um. What was I watching? Oh, I was watching a travel video about uh, France and like Paris cafes specifically, and mm-hmm. a guy that was doing the video is an American who lives in Paris, and mm-hmm. he was explaining that when you go to cafes there, there's like no rhyme or reason to what latte, for example, means at like one cafe versus another. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. So you can order, you know, like what sounds good to you, but just know that you might not get what you're expecting. 
Yeah, I've never, why would you order a latte in France? Wouldn't you just order a cafe au lait and that's essentially a latte? Yeah, I guess that was one of the, I don't know if maybe like places that are designed more to cater to tourists might oh. say latte, for example, but. Gotcha. Yeah, well. We need anyway, to now that we're that. talking about France. France! <laughs> do we want to talk about, do we want to hit your tea talk? Oh, my loose tea. Well, I'm enjoying it. Basically, um, was the the sum total of that conversation. Okay, gotcha. I ordered Darjeeling tea and an Assam tea, and um, it's really nice. I I ordered a tea tea ball, like the infuser. Oh, um, how are you getting on with those? I never quite... I have to use typically the, like, open top strainer the one that's like shaped like a cup and you like put it in and then I think I would I think I will get one of those I think I would prefer it the tea ball is really hard to like get the tea yeah I'll send you the I'll send you the link of the one that I have on Amazon uh, the one that I bought because uh unsurprisingly I did an inordinate amount of research on a very simple household implement uh because it's tea related I mean that's the only way to to be (laughs) um (laughs) Speaking of France. Speaking of France, um, this week's show is Versailles, which which I feel like we should be like speaking of speaking of France. That's weird. Why are we talking about a French show? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, so I so we're gonna have to use like the Commonwealth rule here because I thought this was a like French slash British production, mm. and it Wikipedia, although not to be always believed, 100% claims it to be a Franco-Canadian production. Ah, but it's full of a lot of British actors. It's almost exclusively British actors. Yeah. Um, But anyway, just to get that out of the way, it's a historical fiction. fiction. (laughs) Commonwealth rules here. Television series set during the construction of the Palace of Versailles during the reign of Louis XIV. Uh, it premiered in November 2015 in France um, and on something called Super Channel. Yeah, how do we get that? Which is amazing to me. And then in May 2016 on BBC Two in Britain, and then finally coming to the or lamented United States <laughs> on the Ovation Channel, which I totally don't know what that is. I don't either. I assumed this was a CW drama, but then there <laughs> are a lot of boobs, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a cable television production. Yeah. I've always watched it on Netflix. So if you're a Netflix uh, member, all three seasons are available and um, you can watch it there. But uh, yeah. so the third season was the last. That was the one that was just most recently released on Netflix. And uh, the basic plot is, you know, history, but <laughs> it's the, it's set in the, um, in the wake of the Fronde, is Fronde? I believe it's Fronde. Okay. Uh, in 1667, the French nobility have begun to rebel against the monarchy. Um, this was because Louis XIV became king when he was like four. Yeah. And there was a regency, obviously, but, you know, people like to try and do their, their coups and stuff when that happens. So mm-hmm. uh, he, Louis XIV, when he was a young man, decided to move the court from Paris to his father's uh, old hunting lodge in Versailles um, to kind of corral them all in one place and to sort of force um, them to be under his 
literally under his thumb almost all the time. Um, and then as he renovates and expands the palace, the nobles displaced from their usual surroundings but compelled to surround the king become embroiled in increasingly dangerous intrigues. Oh, intrigues. I hate that word. <laughs> Mostly because I feel like it's usually used to describe things that should be interesting, but they're not. No, they just happen because people get bored. Yep. And then they start poisoning each other. So. Yep. Um, but I'm eager to hear what you thought of the first <sighs> All right. So truth time, because this is the circle of trust, right? <laughs> I have only watched the first episode. I, prior to, in the 45 minutes leading up to this taping, I watched the last, like, half hour because I spent the first 15 minutes sort of, like, muddling my way through. Um, <clears throat> I will say it picked up at the end of the episode, so I might keep watching it. But I, oh, this, I, oh, there was another, there was a CW drama. Was it like Mary Queen of Scots or something like this? Are you talking about rain? Rain, right. I um, cannot do these like soapy fiction, like soapy <sighs> Like I, I barely tolerated um, the the like um, Philippa Gregory, like the White Princess, the White Queen, and I haven't even started uh-huh. watching the Spanish Princess yet. But, but I, I do not have high expectations. So I, uh, oh, this was I know, rough. I know that the Spanish Princess, for example, and the White Queen and the White Princess, like that's it, it's trash. Like I mean, they're beautiful trash. But see, here's the thing with this, with at least the white princess and the white queen, those have stellar casts. That's got Jodie Comer in it, like pre Killing Eve Jodie Comer. It's yeah. got Max Irons in it. It has, um, I forget who plays opposite Max Irons in The White Queen. Um, like those are good casts. Um, this cast was, um, I really. So- don't know any of these people. I did. So I spent most of my time saying, thinking, God, I know uh, Louis the Fourteenth. I know that actor. Why does he look so weird? Why do his eyes, why are his eyes so big? And <laughs> why? Because he seemed to not be able to focus on any one thing. And then I realized, and then I Googled, and then I looked him up, and I realized that he was the, um, like, super annoying priest from vikings oh yeah he was in vikings oh god <laughs> um i i i don't know who any of the characters are i'm very confused is louis the 14th supposed to be sleeping with his brother's wife yeah and that i believe is a, a fabrication although in in actual life they did grow up together even though she yeah. was and I know that in in actual life the brother was widely known to be gay so yeah. like and it wasn't a problem um, no and he did have children with both his wives mm-hmm. um, he also Wait, liked- the brother had multiple wives yeah so there's um, Henriette who's the one you saw yeah 
And um, none of this is spoilers because it's all recorded history. Um, history, yeah. She dies, um, and then he marries Princess, Princess Palatine, who's not a Star Wars character. No, yes. And they have children. Gotcha. I will say, so, like, if you are interested in what I think is a slightly better um, Versailles, and I'm going to look it up while we're um, a slightly better, although still slightly cheesy um, Versailles. Oh, Versailles movie is... Give me a moment. Give me a moment. <laughs> Where's her filmology, please? Uh, mm, oh, A Little Chaos. So, A Little Chaos is personally, I think, delightful. It is um, directed by Alan Rickman. R.I.P. Pour one out. <laughs> in it um it's kate winslet matthias schoenertz who uh those who are fans of far from the madden crowd which uh with casey or carrie mulligan oh yeah. know him he's very good he's delightful he's extremely handsome um it's got kate winslet matthias schoenertz alan rickman in it stanley tucci helen mccrory it's got a really good cast um and it is essentially about the construction of the um like one of the last like fountains in versailles so alan rickman is um louis the 14th in older age and stanley tucci is his brother it's very good it's very hard like it's 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 watch watch this instead and that and then this is actually british um, I did watch a little chaos and I didn't really like it. Oh, really? <laughs> um, not having to do with like, um, the cast is great. I mean, you can't top Stanley Tucci. You just can't. Um, or Alan Rickman for that matter. But, um, I watched it, I think cause we talked about it briefly. You mentioned it briefly a while ago and, um, I did watch it and I just, um, not your jam. It wasn't my jam. I don't, um, I, I have. Clearly, because I watched Versailles and the White Queen, I have um, patience, a little bit of patience with some historical timeline stretching and collapsing. Yeah. Um, was this, it, was a little chaos too stretchy? Well, I found it, I was disappointed that the, the gardener, the, so the woman who's the gardener in that movie, I was yeah. disappointed that that's not an actual person. Um, oh, yeah. And... I don't know. It just yeah. it didn't ring my bell to the extent yeah. that, I, that I expected it to. That's fair. Fair, fair enough. Um, I'm, like, I'm having a lot of problems with historical dramas these days. I don't, which is very unusual for me. I started to watch Gentleman Jack uh -huh. on HBO. Mm -hmm. uh, and that should have been right up my street. And it is dull. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyway, sorry, get back to the, get, get back on, back on track, Melissa. Uh, well, so, I mean, it's important to understand because I felt the same way that you did about the first episode and Ugh. it took a while 
to get into it. And the show, the first season is very trashy. Like it's very soapy. Mm-hmm. It's very trashy. The li- the liberties that they take with history are like shocking. Like, it's just like oh, this, we're gonna say this happened now instead of five years from now. Like it's just it's beyond like ridiculous. And um, the second season drags a little in the middle and the third season I really enjoyed and I think it's because the cast at that point had sort of become I don't know the writers maybe became in on the joke that like okay this isn't like so since I essentially am like a history nerd and probably understand like could I just start could I just watch the third uh yeah I think you could start anywhere the second season is really like I don't know. There's stuff that happens in the second season. I'm like, this is just not like, first of all, it's made up. And second of all, it's not even interesting. Mm. A lot of the whole um, poisoning plot um, laps over like the last part of season one and into season two. And it just gets to be like, who are these people? Why are they killing each other? Well, that's my problem though. So I find that that's a lot. That's my problem with a lot of like, of these sort of like soapy dramatized, they never quite do an acceptable job of like making sure to identify who everyone is. Like they just throw around names like we're supposed to keep up and it's like challenging. It is challenging and I don't remember who everyone was. Seriously, by the end of the first episode, (laughs) I was like, wait, wasn't the king just like, talking to her naked and that's the brother's wife (laughs) I was very confused the um part of the problem this was a criticism that I read in a review of the first season was that there's like 16 lead characters so Um, yeah it's too many um some of the side characters, the ones that were like composites of actual people are just total, you know, figments of like my favorite character is um, Fabian. The I did like, I'm totally on uh, with you on that. He is my favorite. And honestly, he, he would be the only reason I would continue to watch this show. Um, I love him in spite of the fact that he's, you know, a brute, but He's, you know, he's yeah, a complicated but... man. He's a complicated character, and his story gets a little bit more interesting. Oh, see, I would keep watching it for that then, because he was the only one that I enjoyed watching. Like, yeah. like I, I did not enjoy watching anyone else, uh, except for the doctor. So I find it interesting that we and I, you and I both like this. Audine, scene. yes. I yeah. Um, yeah, they're kind of the, the sort of lesser perhaps fictional people they're more interesting to me than the depiction of the king and um i don't know i I didn't find it terribly well cast in some of those roles yeah i i find george whatever his name is i find him not believable and i just i find him challenging i didn't like watching him on vikings and i i don't enjoy watching him here he's like the opposite of tom hollander in that, like, <laughs> <clears throat> I don't enjoy watching him necessarily, but with Tom Hollander, like, he's so charismatic, you can't look away. I feel like this actor is completely devoid of any... <laughs> he's charisma. sort of the opposite of charismatic, I will He say. is devoid of char- charisma. He is... He stares blankly. 
just off into the way the distance like i i and i and i wish it could be like oh this is the role but it's not i've seen him in another role and he does exactly the same thing i think that um i don't know i from everything i've read (laughs) isn't the sun king supposed to be you know the embodiment of charisma um right yeah it was like cool to be in his orbit i mean it would be really difficult to ruin france to the extent that he did if you didn't have (laughs) (laughs) like i i just i would rather could this be could this be like an architectural drama instead i would much rather focus on the building of versailles Yes. So, and if you um, enjoy, if you're a reader and you want to know more about that, I recommend the book Versailles Biography of a Palace. Oh, okay. Which is, I mean, the people obviously come in and out of it, but it tells the story of the the life of the building. That I would love to read. I'm going to have you send that to me or maybe we'll put it on the Facebook page as well. Yeah, it's by Tony Spoffers, and it's very good. And then there's also um, a book about called The Gardener of Versailles, and it's actually a, it's written by a contemporary, like, as in our contemporary. <laughs> um, Not Louis the Fourteenth contemporary. Exactly, but he does talk about, like, the history of the gardens and, you know, sort of his experience in ha- inheriting the responsibility of um, of that very widely known and cherished um, historical location. So that's- yeah, okay, those I would one hundred percent read. Maybe that's why I liked a little chaos is because it like seemed oh, holy, seemed that was more interesting to me than all this. There were a lot of things that drums. Yeah, that would have been more interesting, which would have been more about the actual. Alice, and then more mm-hmm. about like, the etiquette of the French court. Yes, the French court is like it's a it's insane. <laughs> I love your insane. your notes. Can you just read uh, verbatim your note because? Oh. <laughs> uh, I said the French court during this time and for a long time after it was very whack indeed. Very whack indeed. It did not seem like a terribly nice place to hang out. <laughs> People were plotting and murdering. Very whack indeed. Well, there's the creation of all these, and they do go into this on the show a little bit, and I, I, I don't know that this is exactly how it happened, but in the show, Philippe, the king's brother, and his lover, the chevalier. Yeah. Uh, they After a horse. That's a horse, by the way. <laughs> they write um, all of these crazily, like, Byzantine rules for etiquette like you have to you can't knock on a door you have to scratch with your fingernail like this fingernail of your pinky finger is that's not creepy at all and uh they uh i forget the term for it but he came up with the or somebody came up with the idea that all of the nobles would come into the king's bedroom in the morning and they would all watch him like get ready for the day so um, they would watch him get dressed, and there was an order to who got to do what. Like, it was considered an honor to hand the king his gloves or his yeah. shoes. Was that not? But, like, that feels to me like it didn't originate in the French court. Like, 
that was happening, I feel, in like Tudor England. I don't know if it was like their original documented idea, but they came the whole it became very much a enforcement of um a reinforcement, I should say, of the order of the Yeah. Um you know, who was the the highest noble and who had position and who was rising to favor and who was out of favor. Oh, Oh, royalty. Sophia Coppola's Marie Antoinette as well. Yeah. Which is also fun. Yeah, that is, um, I, that's a more fun watch, although equally, I don't know how historically. (sighs) (laughs) It's like, I I love historical, um, you know, I love historical fiction, but I love, um, you know, like movies about Elizabeth the first or movies mm-hmm. about Queen of Scots, but it drives me. It's still like, oh, I, I, can enjoy the movies. I can enjoy the movie, but it drives me bananas when it's like, they never met in real life. <laughs> oh my God. So you must've just watched Mary Queen of, you must've just watched Queen of Scots as well. I haven't watched it yet, but I watched the trailer the other night again and I was like, mm. yeah, I watched it. Um, it is it's the costuming is spectacular and Sersha Ronan is amazing it is not super in like it's it's a yeah they never met in real life and that are there is a scene where they meet uh which is weird um, uh, mm, mm, I, li- I liked it, but I think mostly because I will like watch Sir Sharon and like literally like read a phone book, read a phone book. Yeah. I, she was, she's very good in it and the costumes are very good and it's a lot of, well, I'm like this. So I'm with you on the, like, weird historical nitpickiness like for example um there at that in that time period uh, the scottish accent did not exist <laughs> also she would have also had she would have not yeah she didn't speak with she like again mary queen of scots was actually never raised in scotland she wouldn't have had a scottish accent she would have spoke only french because she was raised in the french court she did not speak she did not speak english she did not speak scottish accented english well she certainly didn't sound like an extra on shetland that's for sure (laughs) oh that's another great segue bravo (laughs) nicely done well done hey hey i uh i started watching season five did you yeah, well, this show has a connection, a further connection to Versailles because the, Mar- the Marquise de, de Maintenon. 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 Uh, she is a character that's almost like throughout the three seasons of Versailles. And she was um, Louis XIV's more or less last mistress, but he married her. He actually did marry her. Mm. Um, it couldn't, it wasn't a, it was a more genetic marriage. They got married kind of secretly and everybody at court pretty much acknowledged her as his wife, but uh, wow. she couldn't be, you know, cause they weren't equals socially. <laughs> uh, they couldn't get married in a 
the sense that he would have married like another you know princess or noble person anyway she was an old lady but she uh i liked her in seasons one and two and then in season three i was like why is she an a-hole now we like, now have to look up who it was hold on she was the one who so one of his mistresses was marquise de montespan and when montespan or montanon montespan oh god and <laughs> montanon was her oh the marquise de montespan oh my lord <laughs> so she came to court as another mistress's governess for the king oh, children cool. and then they had this like long simmering not physical affair and she was very devout Montano. uh so she refused to like get with louis until his wife after his wife had died um and he didn't marry he was supposed to marry some other princess or the infanta of portugal or i don't know anyway So they got married, and that was like his true love, or what have you. Oh, that's nice. In Versailles, they make her act like kind of a jackass. Um, She became very unlikable to me. Mm. And then she shows up in Shetland season five. Is she equally unlikable? As the potential love interest of the man who screams at people, Detective Inspector Jimmy Perez, whom I love. And that is a love that I will never understand. <laughs> I have to emphasize, just it's not send, the actor. It's I just send you, like, I don't understand why he's yelling at her. He's yelling at the, the mother. At okay. That clip, and I'm extremely confused. But if, like, he me, seems to be making her feel worse. If, like me, you've watched the first two and a half episodes already, you know that she's being a huge pain in the A. And won't, won't do what she's told, which is to not like investigate the crime on contact. All right, well that makes a little bit more sense then. But you can don't you cannot blame me for not understanding why a clip on Instagram of a show that I already don't like. <laughs> no, it's not. It's uh, confusing to me because a man is yelling, screaming at a woman that he will find her daughter and she seems he's like screaming at her into a car (laughs) and she's trapped. And I don't understand. (laughs) He won't stop. She's trying to contact these sex traffickers and he's like, please stop doing my job. You're in the way. It's kind of funny. The relationship you have with a show, like, like I love Shetland. I recognize its flaws. But, like, when you get into the, like, later seasons of a show like that, and you're like, oh, here we go. Here's this guy again. Fully (laughs) invested. Like, you, these are your family. This is your family. Um, They're imperfect, but you love them. Yes, and I have a big, fat crush. Lady boner. Uh, (laughs) On the widower, Jimmy Paris. (laughs) I love how you always say his full name. On the detective inspector widower, 
Oh, there was a scene in the, sh- the episode I was watching yesterday after work, and um, so the Marquis was talking to him. I gotta be honest, I don't know if I would want to see him without his clothes on, though. Does that happen? Oh, no. I don't, I don't want to... It's not like a... It's not like a um, Richard, what's his name situation. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, let's just loop it back. Let's just... Hold on, put a pin in that. We'll Richard just, Madden. Let's loop it back to our um, episode 10? I'm going to look it up. Episode 10. Um, maybe. The bodyguard episode? Yeah. Oh, eight. Eight. So, if you are listening to this, you should go listen to episode eight when this is done. Um, Richard Madden is trying to kill us all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Richard Madden, I feel personally attacked by him recently. Um, I understand that he is doing press for Rocket Man, which I'm probably going to go watch because I also like Taron Edgerton. Uh, But Richard Madden, if you are listening along with the Prince of Luxembourg. um, (laughs) Definitely is. Which they definitely are. I'm going to need you to stop. I'm going to need you to stop taking photos of you getting your hair blow dried with a robe that is (laughs) perilously uh, or or slash strategically like like uh, I'm going to need you to stop thirst trapping me Richard Madden it is it's just it's uh very very ungentlemanly like I feel like <laughs> David Budd would never do this Rob Stark would absolutely not do this I like that you're like please stop sitting on Cafe terraces in Italy with your sunglasses askew. Oh my <laughs> God. Just like everything out there is, I feel, it's, I feel very attacked personally. Per- I personally feel attacked. No, my, my love for the Scottish detective is not a love like. For the Scottish uh, bodyguard? Yeah, exactly. Um, no. I, here's, the, here's the funny thing. Um, probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but uh, <laughs> they are not average Scotsmen. I have been to Scotland. I have been to a Cayley in Scotland. Uh, I feel like most Scotsmen don't, don't look like that. <laughs> well, that's why he's a movie star. Yeah, I know. So uh, I thought for next time we should watch Fleabag. That. Yes, 100%. I literally, is it, is it out? I, yep. I thought it came out on the 10th and I went to Amazon and I was like all primed and ready to watch it all weekend. And then it uh, wasn't available yet. And I freaked out a little bit. No, uh, it's on my watch list. Is it available yet? I'm going there. Oh, okay. Yeah. 100% in sold done. Introducing Andrew Scott of yes, I know of of um most notably Sherlock, though yeah. he's been another many film. other things. I uh, and I find him delightful, so I'm I'm super excited. 
And he usually plays like a really shitty bad guy. So. I don't think he is in this though. No, he's like the love interest priest. <laughs> I'm so excited. And I guess I had forgotten that Olivia Coleman was on Fleabag, which like Yeah, what? she's the she's the horrible stepmother and I love Yeah, her. she's terrible. Oh my god, I'm so excited for this season to come back. Oh, I'm really just I'm super I'm super excited. Well, there we go. Yeah, here we go. Let me close it out. Close us out. Close us out. Uh, thanks so much for listening. This has been Tina. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so we are um, on the socials, on the internet. You can find us at uh, T and Sympathy Pod. That's the letter T and Sympathy Pod. That's on Twitter. We have a website. We do things on it occasionally. It's teensympathypod.com. We have an email address. Are you Richard Madden or (laughs) some sort of royal of a principality somewhere? You should email us. uh, Teensympathypod (laughs) at gmail.com. I'm going to put pictures of the Turkish samovar and dishes um and sarah's gonna put her book recommendations on our facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash tea and sympathy pod as always we're on apple podcasts and google play hello mom (laughs) also the Podbean app um send us your show ideas though maybe not for next week because uh i shall not be deterred from watching fleabag season two um but maybe you know send us your show ideas what should we watch? Yeah. I'm thinking uh, maybe the next one should, um, after Fleabag, um, let's do some way back and like maybe an are you being, like a Saturday morning special, are you being served, keeping up appearances. Yeah, yeah. We keep talking about that. So let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Anything else, my friend? I'm I think glad I to be talking to you again. I've missed you. I know. And um, thanks for taking the time after Sending your travels and your illness is happy oh my god (laughs) enjoy your biscuits yes thank you uh until next time everyone this is the sympathy podcast signing off bye Sympathy Podcast is hosted and produced by Melissa and Sarah. It is recorded from Cleveland and Nashville on Zoom using Blue Snowball USB microphones. Teen Sympathy is edited in Audacity, a free, open-source, cross-platform audio software available at www.audacityteam.org. Teen Sympathy is hosted and published on Podbean. Thanks for listening.